everybody, Randy here. Before we get into today's episode, I want to thank our sponsor. That is Roback, new sponsor, Roback Active, where I've been hearing from a lot of you about Roback for a while. Had to check them out for ourselves. Uh, trust us, these guys get it. I want to highlight three of their products. I think they are all great for fall golf. First, their performance polos uh, offer a great fit, way better than typical boxy polos. Four-way stretch, uh, super soft material, wrinkle-free. The collars will not waffle, won't get in the way of your golf swing. The second one, quarter zip season. I know I know everybody could use a good quarter zip. Roback's quarter zips are a game changer when it comes to fall golf. They are so soft, you'll be throwing darts all day in these. And then third, Roback's performance hoodie, the stretchiest, softest hoodies in golf. Uh, they may be the softest, most comfortable performance hoodie in the game. Roback hoodies are popping up on the course. Also, I'm starting to see them all over the NFL, which is interesting. So Roback has been gaining traction big time. We are so thrilled to be working with them, partnering with them. A lot more on the way. So be on the lookout. And right now, listeners, awesome deal for you. Go to Roback.com. Use code NLU for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That's spelled Roback, R-H. H-O-B-A-C-K.com, 20% off all polos, quarter zips, hoodies, and tees with code NLU. They just dropped new hoodies and quarter zips that will have you looking good and feeling fresh. So go check them out at Roback.com. Thank them so much for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now on to today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Trap Draw podcast. My name is Randy. Uh, these are my favorites. I am joined by Beth Ann Nichols of Golf Week. You can find her on Twitter at Golf Week Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-S. Uh, please, please, please check her out. Beth Ann, good afternoon. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I've been on the phone a lot, actually today working through a lot of um, technicalities of the LPGA's year in races. So this is this is a, a good timing for our chat because I'm up to speed, I think, on it. <laughs> I, I gave you I, yeah, I gave you some some difficult homework uh, to prepare for our conversation. I'm very glad that, that you have come prepared. So I, I can't wait to get into that. Um, I was looking back. I think the last time you and I talked was late July. Obviously, a lot has happened uh, on the LPGA calendar specifically since then. The reason why I want to talk to you now is we're, we're getting down to the home stretch of the 2021 season. We have two events left, uh, one full field event, the Pelican Championship uh, outside Tampa, and then, of course, the CME Tour Championship down in Naples. And, uh, and that'll be a wrap on the season. It's, I feel like I, I, let me ask you this. Has it gone by quickly? What, what, what do you, <laughs> you know, do, do these seasons go by quickly or does each season kind of feel like 10 years for you? Uh, actually this one's gone by quickly. And, and it's interesting because for a story I'm working on, I, 
had a conversation with Amy Olson the other day who did not go to Korea. And she said to me, you know, it's, it's crazy because I feel like it's the, like my body, my mind says it's the off season now because I've got this long break. There's only one event in, in Asia this year. And that, but yet there are two events left. And she's like, we've been playing golf for basically 18 straight months. Like the LPGA had the 160 day COVID break came back in July and then basically never stopped, had a major right before Christmas, went back, started right again in January. And it's, it's been nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I think December, even that's a great point. The, um, the rescheduled U S open was what the first, second week of December, where even on the men's side, that's, you know, at, at least December, they kind of get some, some real downtime there, but the, the women have been in, um, major tournament mode. Yeah. Gosh, 18 months. That's, that's quite a while. Well, it'll be some deserved rest. Uh, the season, like I said, we'll conclude with the tour championship the weekend before Thanksgiving weekend. So, um, what I wanted to do, Beth, Ann, just kind of talk about, let's start what's at stake here. These last two events. Can you, can you run people through the things that you're most uh, curious about or keeping your eye on here with, uh, with two events remaining? Well, I mean, I think you naturally start at the top of, of the world and, and you look at the Nelly Korda, Jen Yonko uh, race for everything, for number one, for player of the year. Uh, and and it's, it's really fascinating because, you know, you have Nelly Korda who, you know, in the minds of most has had the, the year in golf, winning a gold medal, winning her first major, climbing to number one in the world. And yet right now she's behind Jin Young Ko in both the Rolex rankings and the player of the year race, which of course is a points race on the LPGA. So, so that is the, um, the main, the main theme going into the finish is, you know, who will come out on top in player of the year and, and will that be the right player? And yeah. what is, how do you determine the right player? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think a couple things there. The first thing that, that you mentioned, the player of the year race is a bit unique in, in women's golf in that it's, it's purely mathematical. There's no, I, I think, you know, folks probably think of in most other leagues, it's voted on either by peers or media. Uh, but in, in the women's game, it's, it's purely just, you know, how many points you accumulate throughout the year based on finishes. And in that vein, uh, were you at all surprised uh, that Nelly didn't make the trip to South Korea um, with, with this kind of tight race going on. Just, just the way Nelly has talked, you know, basically since the summer, she's just been exhausted. And, yeah. and I feel like, you know, she, you know, didn't have it in her and wanted to have the last two events to be geared up, you know, to, to be a hundred percent. And, and so, no, I wasn't surprised that she didn't go for one event. Uh, I just heard yesterday, it was like a over six hour ride, I guess, bus ride once you arrived in Korea to get to the golf course. So, you know, it was, it was an intense one week, uh, for, for a lot of players. So, um, you know, I think, and, and look, both of them are out of the bear trophy as well. Uh, They don't, they don't have enough, rounds in order to uh which we can get into that a little bit later but but in the player of the year race right now nelly can still win player of the year 30 points gives you uh i mean a victory gives you 30 points second place 12 points and on down the road and right now nelly is trailing by 15 points so 
Uh, but, you know, Chin Young is playing extraordinary golf right now. And she's won three of her last five events. She, of course, had those 14 consecutive rounds in the 60s, which tied a record set by Annika Sorenstam and So Young Yu. So, I mean, it's it's fantastic golf. And and on the one hand, you say, well, well how is it that a player that's won the Olympics and a major won't be player of the year. And, and it's because it's, it's an, enti- it's the entirety of the season. It's the consistency of Jen Young Ko and, and, and uh, she hasn't won it yet. It still could be Nelly in the end, but I like the fact that it's very black and white and cut and dry. It's not a popularity contest. There's no emotion involved. Uh, I like that about the LPJ player there. And it, it's, I mean, nine, 10 out of 10 times until now, potentially, I felt like the right player won. So, I mean, it's not like it's been a flawed system that we've been, it's been mired in controversy for years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to ask you if, if you like the way they do it. So that's good to hear. Um, currently, Jin Young Ko is 15 points ahead of Nelly going into these last two weeks. And like you said, um, 30 points for a victory and then 12 points for a second, nine for a third, um, all the way down to one point for a 10th place finish. So certainly Nelly can catch her. I think what makes it interesting this year is the Olympic gold medal, which of course doesn't happen every year and also there it's because it's not a lpga sanctioned event nelly doesn't get any player of the year bump for that is that i mean i don't know if the lpga can really do anything about that but in in a situation i i guess you just chalk this up to a kind of a a weird or fluky year or is is there a way to address like hey you know she also won the the gold medal um into the player of the year consideration I, I mean, it's not, as you say, it's not a sanctioned event. So they, uh, it would be unusual to add it in and, and give points for it. And quite frankly, it's a weak field, really, when you look at the bottom half of the field. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I think that would be highly controversial and debatable yeah. on tour to add that as a, as, as, as official points. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it just kind of has to be, you know, congrats, you won the gold. Um, sorry, it doesn't count for more. <laughs> yeah, right. um, let me put you on the spot. Who, I guess two questions and maybe slightly different, but who's in, in Beth Ann's world, you know, who would you crown the true player of the year? And, and secondly, you know, if, if Nelly and Jin Young are on top of their games and, and are in some type of shootout, who, who's best do you think is a little bit better right now? Well, it's hard to it's hard to pick anyone but Jen Youngcoat right now. I mean, she's incredibly hot right now, and so um, you know, I think she definitely carries uh, the momentum, and sh- and she you know edged Nelly you know recently. And I, I would say when I look at if I if this was a vote right, and I was voting at this point in the season, Nelly in my mind looks like the player of the year, right? I, I, if if this was a vote. Um, but there are two, how many wins does Jin Young have to have? How many regular season quote unquote wins does she have to have to, 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 to count, be equal to a major and a gold medal? Does she have to win the next two in our minds, you know, to have, does she have to have six wins to Nelly's three plus the gold, you know, like, is that fair? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think 
right now, Nellie, definitely from a from a eye test standpoint, seemingly because the, the we like to think those big events really count. But I still, I still like the method that the LPGA uses year in and year out. And I feel like this is kind of could be in the end a fluke situation. Nellie could still win it, but it could just be a fluky situation and. And I don't see a need to blow the whole thing up just because Nelly does a one player of the year this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, and I, I think I agree with you. And I think that's, um, it, it's good, you know, debate over some beers is like how, how much <laughs> weighing, like, you know, how many quote unquote regular tour victories uh, does one major equal? Because I've, I, being a big Phil Mickelson fan uh, on the men's side, like that was some of my frustration through the years was I don't think he's ever won PJ tour player of the year, uh, even through his illustrious career. And in some years it came down to, you know, some guys winning uh, the award because they had won more times, but yet Mickelson had a major to, you know, it's, it's, it's a right. never ending debate, but it's a fun debate to have. Uh, it, it is. And on the men's side, you know, you look at, you know, FedEx cup playoffs and, you know, how much does that weigh against a major, you know, and, and I mean, it's not like the men who vote, you know, don't have a lot of controversy oftentimes surrounding their winner. So, you know, I think the fact that the women have a lot less controversy makes their system better. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I do. I, I agree with you there. It's, it's nice to just, everybody knows, what the system is, it's, you know, it's very black and white and whoever has the most points at the, at the end of the year, they're the player of the year. There's, I, I, that is a nice way to go about it. The, the, the last event then will be the CME tour championship. Can you just kind of walk us through what that is, who gets in, why it's such a big deal for the women's game? Yeah. And, and this championship and, and not only who gets in, but who wins who has the ability to win has evolved over the years. And, you know, it used to be that we really paid attention to the top of the CME points list because only a certain number of players, you know, it used to be five, nine, you know, had an ability to, to, to win uh, the, the big prize, which at this point is, is $1.5 million. And, and now it's, it's flipped down where we look at the bottom of the list because it's, we want to know who that lucky 60 player is, the 60th player that gets in because she has an opportunity now to win $1.5 million, just the same as whoever finished the season at the top. So the, the emphasis on the race really has changed a lot. It really doesn't matter who wins the CME race to the globe point standings. I mean, that it, it matters who came in 59th and 60th and 61st. So yeah. um, that, that has changed a lot. I actually really like it. I used to have to get out like a magnifying glass to read <laughs> the fine print of the numbers of what such and such had to do to still mathematically have a chance to win the million dollar prize. And, and there were two, you know, there was the million dollar prize and then there was the actual purse. The winner got $500,000 for winning the event. And it was two things in one. And this is just nice and clean and winner take all, no extra math, you know, fans who don't pay attention all year can tune in and know what's going on. And it's, I, I think it was a fantastic change. Who, who are those women, you know, outside of the top 60 currently with, with the Pelican championship to go that kind of most surprise you or, or um, 
you think maybe have a shot to play their way into that top 60. Um, I mean, I'll throw out like Mel Reed is a name that I would have guessed would have been inside the top 60, but she's currently 72nd. So you have some, some pretty um, high profile names that are still searching to get inside that top 60 and make it to the tour championship. Yeah, certainly. Um, Mel Reed is one of those players that I think we all ride the emotion of Mel and feel like, you know, when, when she's playing really good, I feel like we're all in. And so yeah. it feels like she's always doing, you know what I mean? Like you're yes. like invested <laughs> and you're like, you know, gosh, she's playing really well. And then you're like, wait, what? She's seven, 70 second. On like what? I don't understand, you know? So yeah. that, that's definitely how I am with Mel. And so I always think she's doing better maybe than she is sometimes because I was all in when she was leading round one, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so I think, you know, when I look at, at, at that list, Mel is certainly one that I think will be geared up to try to make a charge. You know, she, she loves a good challenge. Um, Emma Talley, it looked like earlier this year that Emma Talley had really figured something out, you know, and she, she came close to winning. Uh, and, and, you know, I think an interesting story in that she, she chased distance for a while early in her career in the LPGA and basically got lost and went back to basics this year and, and, and felt like she was once again, the player that won the women's am and won the NCAA championship. And, you know, you felt like she really, it feels like she's had a break breakthrough year in many ways. And yet she's right on that number. She's 60th, you know, holding on. So um, so she's another one. I agree with you. I hope they have, I, I hope they have actually a, a pairing of people that are on the bubble so we yeah. can watch them together. You know, I think that would be, that would be fun. That's a great idea. Yeah. Kind of put the people that can play their way either in or out. Uh, it, it would be a lot of fun to, to have them together, at least the first couple of rounds. Um, so um, well, that's, yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of set the stage for folks, you know, certainly the, the Pelican will, we'll have a lot of drama around that top 60 cut line. And then of course the, the CME tour championship the week after uh, with, with the winner take all prize uh, will be great fun as well. Um, you had mentioned Beth Ann, the, the Vare trophy. I, I, I hopefully a lot of listeners know what that is, but just in case, I, I know I had to kind of relook it up just to make sure. Could you go over some of the other LPGA awards, including the Vare trophy and, and maybe what's on the line as far as that goes is the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's actually quite controversial this year as well. Um, so the Bear Trophy, <laughs> quite simply, is is lowest scoring average, and and it's worth a Hall of Fame point, and and you need twenty seven points. Uh, very very black and white for the LPGA Hall of Fame, just like Player of the Year. You need twenty seven points to qualify for the Hall. So each point is very precious. Uh, Which I want to ask you about the Hall of Fame in just a second, but I'll I'll let you sure, continue sure. with the yeah with with the the Bear Trophy. So so to qualify for the Bear Trophy, you have to have a certain uh, you have to meet a certain threshold of events. So either seventy rounds or seventy percent of the rounds for which you're eligible, and an event like the Dow, which is a team event, does not count. So interestingly, you have Nelly and Jen Youngko at the top of the, the scoring average uh, list, and, and they are not going to be eligible. They will not, even though they're both playing the last two events, they will not meet the minimum number. Uh, of course, Jen Young Co skipped a major this year. She skipped the AIG uh, British Open at, at uh, Carnoustie. And, um, and interestingly, which is what I've just found out today, 
that that Lydia Ko is playing in the Aramco series over in uh, Saudi Arabia and will will not be in the field at Pelican. And so she will miss it by one round being eligible as well. So it's really interesting that we're going down to the fourth player on the scoring average chart, uh, which is Inji Chun. And she right now is looking like the player that will potentially win the, the Vare trophy this year. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty wild. And some, some, have argued that the the number should have been lowered this year because there were fewer tournaments uh, because of COVID. They did quite a few events in Asia toward the back end and Canada, you know, they, they canceled. Um, I, I feel like there were enough events to, to if you, you knew what the mark was uh, to get it done. Um, but, you know, there are some people that are like, well, you know, people played in the Solheim Cup in the Olympics and either one of those count, Dow doesn't count. You know, it's three events right, right there, you know? Um, and I hear that, but I feel like if the LPGA was going to make that decision and lower that number, it should have been done a long time ago. You, you can't make that call this late in the season. Um, and, and again, like, you know, players knew what the threshold was and, and they would have had to have maneuvered their schedule to get, to get that number of rounds. And what's interesting, which I won't know until I ask them, is were they aware of where they stood when they were, you know, figuring out the end of their schedule and would they have made any changes had they, you know, maybe done the math? I don't know. And I want to drill down and, and kind of talk about why the hall of fame point is such a big deal and, and get into that because I, I find that very fascinating. Um, I know that you have said in the past, the LPGA hall of fame is like the the most difficult hall of fame for anybody to get into as it stands right now uh, to gain entrance into the LPGA hall of fame, they need 27 points and you can collect points a number of different ways. Do you know the specifics? Like uh, is, is each tournament worth tournament win worth two points and then each major worth more than that? Do you, do you know the breakdown by chance offhand, Beth Ann? Yeah. So each regular season event is one point. And each major is two points. And then player of the year is one point. Vera trophy is one point. So, um, so Laura Davies is two points shy of the hall of fame. And Uh, and that's it, right? Is it like only those four things is, is how you get points. That's how you get points. And then the other, the other thing is you must play for a minimum of 10 years. So that's why, uh, you saw NB park hobble into the hall of fame basically because she, she had reached the 27 points, but then she was injured. She had that thumb injury, remember? And she kept playing to get to 10 events so that that season would count as her 10th season. And she's playing under a lot of pain. And, 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 and so it was kind of an awkward like celebration that you made it in, you know, when it was kind of limped in at that point, then she goes and wins the gold medal. But the point is it was like, why are we doing this? Like, why, why is this 10 year thing apart? I mean, I don't understand. And, and so, so that, so the backstory on the 10 year rule, which for most fans, if, if you're kind of a casual fan, you would assume Lorena Ochoa was in the LPGA hall of fame, right? One of the all time right. great players on the LPGA. She has 37 points. You only need 27. She has 37. Well, Lorena didn't play 10 full years on tour. And so because she didn't meet the 10 year requirement, she's not in the LPGA hall of fame. So when that happened, 
you know, there was a lot of, well, why is that? Why do we have this rule? Where's the point of this rule? Well, I, I, you know, from way, the way players have explained it to me from what older players have said to them is that, you know, basically in, in, in the early days of the tour, and it's still true to this, to, to an extent now, they really needed their stars. And, and so they didn't play Beth Daniels was explaining to me. She's like, look, a lot of these players had other jobs. They had, they didn't, they weren't playing for very much money. They had multiple jobs. They didn't want them to just leave their job and leave the tour and go play their, you know, do their other job. So they, they put this 10 year requirement in and to, to keep the tour alive. But then when you look at the fact that the tour lost Lorena and Annika, from 2008 to 2010 in two years span, they lost two of their giants and still survived during a, 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 an enormously difficult time in the economy. The LPGA made it through that. You, you say, well, then, then do we need this? Is there ever going to be another situation like that? You know, where, you know, a star is going to retire and the tour is really going to collapse, you know, after seven years or eight years or whatever. So I just think it's a punishment. Um, it's like a time you've got to do this time served, you know, and if you want to go start a family or you get injured or, you know, any number of things that can happen that keep you from 10 years that even though you're one of the all time greatest players ever, you're not in to me as a crime. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And that's an awesome explanation. I, it seems like, yeah, if you're going to go points based, if 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 you get the points, you get the points, and and once you get the points, you should be in regardless of if you do it in you know five years or or twenty five years. Um, I, I'm fully with you on that. Where kind of bringing it back then to the the Ver Trophy this year, I I do kind of like that minimum rounds played criteria because I I you know just looking around the PGA Tour as well, you know one of the things. I think can work against the tour at large is when, when your star players aren't, you know, when they, when they start to be a little bit more selective about their schedules and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're taking several weeks off. I I think coercing them to play more, I think is in the best interest of fans and the tour. So I I do like how the Vare trophy, for example, has that minimum of 70 rounds played or 70% of, uh, you know, available rounds. Um, I, I, I would maybe guess that you agree with that. Is that. Yeah. I think, I think the Vare trophy is, is that single season. And so year to year, you want your star players playing like period, like the LPJ has to have them, but the hall of fame is the totality of your career. And so to me, there shouldn't be a minimum number of years um, for, for, for that, you know, I just, I feel like, and, and the other thing I noted in the column, which I'm still trying to plug that, um, that Grant Boone mentioned on, on television, he said, I was out watering the plants months ago and, and we we're having this kind of, we like, we get in the weeds every once in a while about <laughs> stuff that nobody cares about. And he's like, do you know that, that the, all the hall of fame, I mean, the LPGA founders are not in the hall of fame. I about dropped the hose, you know, I'm like, what? They're not, I, I, I had, I didn't know that. I mean, that's silly that I didn't know that. And so I thought that was ridiculous. And then he, he happened to mention it during the telecast on uh, during the Founders Cup, um, you know, that then, of course, Shirley Spork was on site that that the founders were not all 13 founders were not in the LPJ Hall of Fame. And I, I texted him. I go, my here's my Monday column. I'm all over it. You know, like, I, <laughs> so, you know, it's like 
you know, Dinosaur is the only non non player that's in the LPGA Hall of Fame as an honorary member. And there is a veterans category as well. So there's a committee that can get together and vote to vote Lorena in. They could vote Laura Davies in. They could override whatever they want to override if they wanted to. And so, you know, my my feeling was, you know, and 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 same as Grant, that it's it's a crime that the the founders aren't in all of them. Some of them qualified on their own, like a Louise Suggs, Babe Zaharias, but but like a Shirley Spork, who's 94 years old, is not in. And so so tennis did a really cool thing this year. And and you know, the women, the original nine, the women who signed the the one dollar contracts that 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 led to the, the tour that we have today, they were they were put in as a group. It was the first group to go into the Hall of Fame for tennis. And some players like Amelia Jean King were already in the the tennis hall of fame. And so they actually went in twice, you know, now they're in as a group. And so I thought, what a, what an awesome thing to do is to, to, to follow the lead of tennis and put the 13 founders in as a group and let's do it while Shirley Spork is, is with us and can accept on behalf of, of, of those who aren't. And so like a Marilyn Smith. Um, so, you know, hopefully the committee will get together in the next, in the coming months and they'll, they'll get the let out and, <laughs> and yeah. they'll, They'll make some decisions here because I think, you know, next year at the grand celebration of, of the Chevron, the final events, you know, at Mission Hills would be a mighty fine place to do that. Right. Part of a Hall of Fame's purpose is to tell the story of, of a sport and to not have the, the founders part of the Hall of Fame. That's that's unbelievable. Beth Ann, I'm I'm signing up. I'm riding <laughs> for this cause right behind you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Put, put me on the mailing list. I want all the literature. I'm, I'm willing to, uh, I, I'm willing to fight for this as well. And well, just so folks can get a sense of like the exclusivity of the, of the LPGA hall of fame since the turn of the century. So since 2000, there've only been four women that have played their way into the hall of fame. Uh, Annika, Kari Webb, Sayri Pak. And as you mentioned, Imbi Park in 2016 was, was the last uh, induction. One of the questions that we're going to have and, or the tour is going to have to grapple with is, will there come a time when players don't care about the LPJ hall of fame because they can just get into the world golf hall of fame because it used to be that those you weren't, you wouldn't, get inducted into the world golf hall of fame, unless you were in the LPJ hall of fame. Mm-hmm. And then like six or seven years ago, that changed. And so all of a sudden now a player like Lorena can get into the world golf hall of fame, even though she doesn't meet the requirements. So that's why Lorena and Laura Davies are both in the world golf hall of fame. And for, for years and years and years, that was, that was never a possibility. So Knowing that, you know, if you know that, you know, well, I've, I'm, I'm at 24 points, I'm not going to get to 27, but I'm, I'm going to probably get into the World Golf Hall of Fame. Do I really want to bust it to get to 20 to 10 years, you know, to get to 27? Or, you know, am I just, is it cool to just be in the World Golf Hall of Fame? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I wonder if, if the LPGA doesn't put Lorena in the hall of fame. If some of the younger players will be like, what's the point? If Lorena's not in it, like, what are we even doing here? You know, I'll just get into the world golf hall of fame. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, the more I hear about it and and read about it, like the LPGA hall of fame is, 
it's really cool to me, uh, almost because it's exclusive and it's and it's purely points based. It's it's merit based in a way. Um, yeah, if any LPJ, you know, folks are listening, I I would love them to like kind of keep track of uh, points, right. They, they have everybody in the hall of fame on the website, but it'd be interesting to kind of see just a, a running points list. So you could see maybe current players on there or where oh, some, yeah. some close. past players or yeah. Who, who's like really close. I, I think it'd be really fascinating to see kind of just a database with, with points earned that way. I agree. And when, when Laura won the uh, senior women's open, the inaugural senior women's open, there was a question of whether that should count as points toward the LPJ hall of fame. Uh, and, and cause you know, it's a major, it would have given her the two that she needed, <laughs> but, oh, yeah. but even, even Laura didn't think that it, it should count, but, but it was, it was, it was a worthwhile conversation, uh, you know, at the time, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I love the fact that the LPJ hall of fame is exclusive and extremely tough, mm-hmm. but there has to also be some common sense. And yes. they're involved and when it comes to a Lorena or or a Laura and you can I think it's okay to have to put Laura in through the veterans committee and she has an asterisk there that she or it's a hashtag on the website you know yeah. she can actually get the points but but the vet the, the committee decided that you know she she epitomizes hall of fame yes yes um all right. Well, real quick, we can turn our attention. One award for this year has been settled. Uh, probably no surprise, but gosh, it seemed like such a deep, uh, good rookie class. The the Louise Suggs Rookie of the Year, Patty Tavitanikit takes that. Uh, surely not not nothing surprising there, right, Bethann? She's no, not not at all. I think I think the surprising thing was that she didn't she didn't win again. I, mean, right. I mean, that more than anything. I mean, what she did at the ANA this year was just phenomenal. Uh, you know, I, I, and then, and then she followed that up with, with some spectacular finishes in, in Asia. And, you know, I, I think, I think she learned a lot this year. I think this was, you know, a, a huge learning year for her. She's a very introspective player. Uh, she asked good questions of herself. Um, and so, you know, I, I, and, but I also feel like she doesn't take herself too seriously at the same time. You know, I think there's a cool balance there. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting to see what she does next year because she just has, she's so fun to watch so much potential. I know she is. Uh, I, I echo everything you say about her personality and just, I, I really, really enjoy and appreciate her introspection and thoughtfulness. Um, and yeah, she's, she's somebody I like, I watch every week. I'm like, I just kind of expect her to, to win or at least be right there at the end. It, it she just oozes talent. I, I'm so excited to kind of see her and, and Nelly and Jin Young Ko. And, and there's, it, it's becoming a longer list too of, of players that can kind of join that upper echelon. I, you know, I've said this before, but I, I just think the LPGA is, is really getting into a, a, you know, a really good spot with, with a ton of talent. Um, it's, it's exciting. All right. I, you, you have some homework. You, you did some really <laughs> extensive research. Talk to me. The last award yeah. is the Aon risk reward challenge. And I just want to preface this by saying, you know, I, we've, you know, kind of collectively, uh, I don't know if poke fun is the right word, but uh, you know, certainly on the men's side, I, I think they on 
risk reward challenge maybe doesn't carry the same importance, but kudos on them. They, they, they give a million dollars to the men's winner. They give a million dollars to the, the, the women's winner. And um, on the women's side, I think currently Hannah green is, is winning what just, I guess, as briefly as possible, can you tell us about the award and, and is there any uh, drama left to play out in your opinion? Yeah. So I, I a thousand percent agree that the, uh, the award means more to the women because a million dollars is a ton of money on the LPGA. And uh, when Carlota Saganda won this award in 2019, uh, she cried uh, during her press conference and um, it, it, it's, it's emotional, you know, it's, it's for someone like Hannah Green, it's almost half of her career earnings. So, um, you know, and for some players, it could be life changing. So very different than what we think of when we think of the men competing for their, their million dollars. So, um, you know, going down the stretch, what's interesting about Hannah Green, too, is at the beginning of the year, she, you know, crazy tough COVID restrictions in Australia. And, and, you know, she decided that, you know, I'm just going to stay after, you know, once she gets going, she has to stay for a large chunk of time. And then she goes back to Australia and, and has a two week quarantine and it's, and it's, it's intense. So she decided in the beginning of the year, she was going to skip the first few events and really work on getting longer. And she did, she got a lot longer in the last couple of years. She's gone from, like 101st, I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah, 101st in driving distance to 21st this year from 2019 to 2021. So, and I think she was as high as like 11th in this year in driving distance. So she's made huge strides there, which is interesting for the risk reward challenge, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> um, but so we have basically three players that are in the running for this. What's what it ends, it doesn't go all the way through CME. It ends at Pelicans. So there's only okay. one, one event left. And, um, and because, you know, it's math heavy, I asked the LPGA to help me out with what the scenarios are here. And, uh, Charlie Hull is not playing. She'll be playing in, in the, uh, Romco series event in Saudi Arabia. So she right now is second on the, on the uh, list behind Hannah Green. And there is a scenario in which Hannah Green, Charlie Hull and Lexi Thompson could all end up tied. But then I don't know what happens after. I don't know what they do because it would defeat the purpose to split the money because the whole point is to get a million dollars, right? Right, right. So I told, I when I asked the LPJ earlier, I was like, so you know, they, the person I was talking to didn't know what the scenario was for a tie. And I said, well, can we just have like a one-hole playoff at CME? Like just one hole for a million dollars with the three players? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes. Right. So I don't know. No one would actually do that because, you know, I'm sure that's not written down somewhere, right, but right. It, it would be, I think, really fun. But basically, you know, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see it's, it's the 14th hole at Pelican. Uh, I don't remember anything about the 14th hole from last year. It was the first year there. So I can't really tell you much other than it's a par five, but, um, but yeah. So Hannah green, if she, if she basically plays, plays that hole even far um, and, it, it, you know, there is a scenario and Lexi's three under that they could all end up tied. So oh, um, my gosh. it'll be interesting to see how it, how it shakes, shakes out, but, but props to Aon for equal pay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, like most other things, I will be rooting for maximum chaos, which means a, a three-way <laughs> tie. So 
I will, yeah. I, will be, I will be keeping my eye out on uh, on those three, their scores on the 14th hole. Um, I, I would, wouldn't you love to see golf today break in with a live playoff on like yes. Tuesday at noon? I think that would be amazing. A noon billion dollar shootout. Oh, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's too good that we, of course we know it will never happen because it's like, <laughs> right. you know, you know, it's, it's too good. Um, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you, Beth Ann. Um, yep. all right. We've talked about the top 60 and the tour championship. The, the other race that's going on, and I would say almost arguably more important at least for livelihoods is the race to either get or retain LPGA status. And so I was curious, uh, do you know, like I know on the PGA tour, the top 125 retain their card, uh, in the FedEx cup standings, right? Um, do you know what the equivalent is on the LPGA tours at top 120 or 125? And is it, do they go off the money list or do they go off the, the CME points list? So, so, it has changed. Um, this is what's this is this is new this year. It used to be okay. the money list. Forever and ever it was the money list. Okay. And then basically because the purses on the tour have such a wide range, uh, it, it, players felt that it wasn't fair. And if you happen to have a really good week at say, you know, the CME and finish second or you finished, you know, um, well in, you know, one major that it it tipped you know, it tipped you, you know, too far in one direction. So uh, it's now uh, CME points list determines player status. So uh, it is 125. Um, but the caveat here is if you basically are in the top 100, you're, you're in good shape. You've got your card. You're fine. If you're 101 to 125, you might want to consider going to Q series because that category of players is going to be higher than you on on the priority list so you will see players who finish outside of the top 100 going to q series and this would be a good time and this was on my agenda but we might as well talk about q series can can we talk about what what that is and i believe it's new this year at least in a new iteration this year it's in a new place Oh, new place. Um, okay. I knew, yeah, there was, yeah. I knew there was something <laughs> there about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So obviously there was no Q school last year. Okay. Um, and so um, basically status was frozen. Everybody, all the rookies had two rookie years. The first one didn't really count. The second one did. So um, Q series is a eight round grind over two courses. So it's two, four round events that are cumulative. So, you know, it's not like you hit the reset button. If you have a bad, you know, first tournament, you just basically roll right into the second. So I was talking to a coach this morning. It was funny. She was like, imagine that like, cause Q series is like, feels like a major, right? Maybe more important than a major. So it's like, imagine if you played the U S open and then your scores from the U S open carried over into the British open, like how like intense and wild that would be, which that is Q series because they play over two different courses. So, um, but it's all on the Robert Trent Jones trail, which is new. It was at Pinehurst before. Okay. Um, and so within, within that, the top 20 receive LPGA status and then 21 through 45 also receive like a smaller level of status. So you basically have to be in the top 45 to gain any kind of LPGA status, but the top 20 is basically your card. Right. And then it's like, 
um, some kind of, of um, partial status from 21 to 45. So, uh, and then after that, if you're like 46 and lower, you're symmetrature. And, you know, it, so it, that's why it's really interesting for college players who, you know, have, have advanced to the finals. You know, if they only get symmetrature status, do they go ahead and turn pro and just play on the symmetrature? If they get, if they finish 44th, is that enough status to get them enough starts to make it worthwhile? You know, it's, 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 there's a lot of unknowns because it's not like anyone can really guarantee you how many starts you're going to get at 44th on the list. So it's, you know, it's kind of a gamble in some ways if, if you're outside of that top 20. That's fascinating. Yeah. And I, what blows my mind is the, the more involved in, in golf, men's and women's, you, you start to learn about and really appreciate these games within the game, which is what you're talking about. Like their, their priority ranking or what, you know, exemption category they're playing out of. It's, it's, it, be, it becomes quickly like so – it seems like it gets very bureaucratic or, or just very um, – there's so many layers to it, I guess. Uh, yeah. And what you're saying is like, yeah, that's some really interesting decision-making for uh, a college player or an amateur that, you know, do I – can I get enough starts on either the LPGA or Symmetra to make it worth it? It's, it's a lot of calculus that comes into play. And, and to throw a wrench in it, we look at the last time, you know, Jennifer Cupcho and Maria Fossey were able to defer. And so they chose to defer, finish their senior years. Of course, Cupcho wins the Anwa, Fossey wins the national championship, and then they're kickstarted into their rookie season. And, and, and it was like, wow, I can't believe, you know, a lot of people were shocked that anyone would defer their card. Right. But when you, when you look, when you look at playing, playing as a college player in Q series, you're not playing with any kind of pressure compared to a, a player who is our, is a pro is on the LPGA finished finished, you know, one, one twenty-five on the money list, trying to improve their status or on the Symmetra tour, trying to get up. You have a safety net. If I don't play well here, I'm just going to go play in college next week or, you know, next month and carry on with my, my senior year, my junior year, whatever. And so what a freeing way to play and what an unfair competitive advantage compared to the pros. So if I'm, if I'm a pro, you know, having a fit out there coming down the stretch because my whole year, my whole livelihood depends on how I finish. And I'm playing next to somebody who has a full ride, you know, to, to wherever, and, you know, is going to, could just go back to school. It's a completely different mindset. So, I mean, I would like to see them maybe force players to turn professional before they get to Q series so that it's not such a, I feel unfair competitive advantage. Yeah. And there were a couple this year, correct? That uh, I, I know Alexa Pano is probably the most recognizable name that. Uh, oh, dude, that's another controversy because okay. <laughs> so, so the LPJ has a minimum age requirement of 18. And so the Symmetra tour minimum age requirement is 17. So but you could petition the tour to play before you turn 18, but the, the standard basically is you have to win on the LPGA in order to do that. So 
you know, like NB Park, for example, petitioned the tour and didn't get it and had to go play on the Symmetra tour. Yanni Sen, same thing, didn't get it, had to wait another year. So uh, Alexa Pano petitioned and did not, did not get the okay. So she could only play in the first two stages in order to get Symmetra tour status. She can't compete to try to get LPGA status because she's not of age. So, um, so that's, that's, that's kind of the controversy there because some people feel like, you know, that maybe, maybe there shouldn't be an age limit. If you can, if you get it, you get it, you know? Yeah. And then what happens with the people that, did not qualify for Q series. So I'm thinking probably another high profile example is Gabby Ruffles did not make it through second stage. What do they, um, of course there's always like sponsor exemptions, but, but uh, do the second stage competitors, do, do they default back to like a decent Symmetra tour status? Yeah, she'll play on the Symmetra Tour next year, and you'll and you'll have to make a decision, right? Do I want to chase sponsor exemptions and Monday qualifiers and try to to play my way onto the tour that way, which is really, as she saw this year, is really hard to do, or do I just focus entirely on the Symmetra Tour next year, put my blinders onto everything else except maybe the Women's Open, and and try to finish in the top ten? So. That's basically what she's looking at. Um, and I would imagine she would mostly play on the Symmetra tour because, you know, you're trying, and I'm, I'm, but yet she has a game that she gets hot one, one week she can win. Well, you that's know? What, uh, yeah. It's, she's somebody that I'm like, God, she, yeah. How is she not? <laughs> I know. Missed it by, missed it by one. Yeah. Um, well, and I think, uh, you know, overall then it's, it's awesome for women's golf that, you know, the, the more talent that kind of finds itself on the Symmetra tour, it, 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 it's good for the overall ecosystem, I guess, where, you know, it's not great for Gabby, of course, but I, I think for the game itself, it's like the stronger the Symmetra tour gets the, the more benefit that's going to be in the long run for the women's game. Right. Right. But it's, it's a test. It is a grind on the Symmetra tour. And so it, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, it's, it's a real test of mental fortitude to get your, when you've kind of tasted the high life and nothing but the high life, right. Yeah, really exactly. to, then, right, to right. Then go back to a full season of Symmetra, you know, it really, it, it really tests your metal. Uh, speaking of Symmetra. So they're through their season long uh, points list. They've, they've given out 10 LPGA cards. Any in that group that you're particularly excited to see on the LPGA tour, any, any stories from those 10 graduates that, uh, that stand out to you? Yeah. So my, my favorite story from the Symmetra tour this year, and I, I, I've written about Rachel several times and it just gets more fascinating every time. Rachel Rohana uh, is the only full-time mom on the Symmetra tour. She's the first mom to graduate from the Symmetra tour. Now she's had LPGA status before, but pre being a mom. So, so, you know, now she's, you know, and it's hard, no smuckers daycare on the Symmetra tour. Like it's, it's tough. So, so she's the first mom to graduate. And so I call her up because she's fascinating in and of itself because she and her husband, they, they have a cattle ranch. They, they raise cows and they have a butcher shop and, she has like this whole other life, like, you know, non-golf life that's fascinating. And and so it turns out that earlier in the year, in like April, she's 
she's playing, I believe it was the, the final round. I'd have to go back and look. I think it was the final round and uh, pulls a club out of the bag and her daughter's club, U.S. Kids Club, comes out oh, with no. her club. And oh, because my gosh. It's, it's like a 21 inch club or 20. It's, it's like comes to her knee. I can't remember how many inches it was. 28, 21. She said it came to her knee. And because it, it, it would buy a few inches was by definition a club. Oh she, my God. she had to consider it a 15th club and she, she got a four stroke penalty and law and basically lost nine fell $900 down the, the standings for that event. And, and so this is a player who got her card the first time around by just a few hundred dollars. So she knew that that $900 dip could be the difference maker and whether or not she goes on the LPGA tour for 2022. So she gets in by, you know, by the skin of her teeth, she made it, it all worked out. Okay. But it was just, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like your, your daughter's U S kids club. That's it could be the reason you don't get your car. Like oh it's just one of those like mind blowing things. Yes. So, so, I mean, it's always easy to root for Rachel Rohana, but after that, you know, it's like, wow, you know, it's just meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I, well, that, I'm so happy that she got her card and that is unbelievable. Um, yeah. The, the, the rules of golf sometime, uh, just to tie a bow on this, I guess, you know, um, we'll be looking, you, you mentioned that kind of outside the top 100, there's some, you know, we sponsored Lauren Coughlin. That's somebody where she's currently one Oh six. Um, and Van Dam is currently one Oh nine. You have, uh, who else did I want to highlight? Uh, Bianca Pogdanan is 124. Danny Holmquist is a name I, I see a lot. I, you know, she's 126. Maria Stackhouse is uh, down in the 140s, I believe. So, yeah, it's, it's the kind of the, the game within the game and those chasing that top 125 or even that top 100. Um, it'll be very interesting. Like I said, the, the, the last full field event here at the Pelican. Can't wait. Yeah. Beth Ann, I can't get you out of here. I want to play a little game with you. Uh, I tried to think of a game that kind of, you know, we're, we're here at really the end of the season. I want to play a game. I want to throw out 10 names to you. And I want, I want to know in your opinion, whether they've had, you know, taking in all of 2021, if, if they've had what you would consider an encouraging season or a disappointing season. Are, are you willing, are you willing to play this, this newly invented game with me? I, I am. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Let's start here. Aria Jutanagarn, in, in your opinion, uh, encouraging or disappointing 2021? Encouraging. She won twice, won once with her sister, and then she overcame uh, some big demons on that last hole in Thailand and uh, conquered some demons. And, and, you know, I mean, look, Aria set the standard so high several years ago that, you know, we, we, we expect a lot out of her, but I think, I think this was a, a really good year for her. Okay. Uh, Brooke Henderson. Same. I think um, Brooke Henderson, I'm always disappointed when she doesn't win a major because it's still stunning to me that she's only won one major, but yet this was another player who, you know, had a drought going here and, and, you know, the fact that she won, um, you know, I, I feel like that, that makes it an encouraging season for her. Um but still 
not quite up to what we maybe would have expected, but I wouldn't call it at all disappointing. Okay. Uh, I'm going to find a disappointing one in here. I hope. Uh, Okay. All right. Good. Uh, uh, Danielle Kang, she's got nine top tens on the year, but no victories this year. Uh, she's 10th in the CME ranking. Do you consider her 2021 encouraging or disappointing? Yeah, disappointing for sure. I mean, especially when you look at how she started, restarted the season last year. Uh, and, and this is one player who plays well in Asia. So I think the fact that some of these Asian events were canceled really worked against her because she's, She's won a lot in Asia and loves it over there. And so, um, you know, I'm not counting out Danielle for the last few events of the year because I really feel like she's given these last few events a lot of focus. And uh, and she's the kind of player that um, can recalibrate and, and really push hard at the end. And I think she will do that. But uh, I think anytime Danielle Kang doesn't win in a season, it's disappointing. And they uh, lost to Solheim. I was going to say, I, and I failed to mention, yeah, pretty disappointing Solheim uh, performance as well. Uh, okay, next one, Lexi. Disappointing, same thing. I mean, I mean, uh, okay, wait. I'm going to do a different word. Heartbreaking, right? The season yeah. for Lexi was heartbreaking. I mean, you know, if she had, if only, right? If only she had won the U.S. Women's Open uh, at Olympic, what would the rest of the year have looked like? And instead, you know, it, 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 it's another winless, it's a winless year for Lexi. And, and that feels disappointing. Hard to believe. Yeah. Winless and only five top tens, I thought was a little surprising as well. Um, yeah, and a non-factor at, at the Olympics, you know, it just. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Corda, five top tens, one victory. You know, um, I think the unfortunate thing for Jessica is that you compare, or I do compare her to Nellie. Right. And so, um, and Jessica always, for whatever reason, plays exceptionally well at the start of the year. And so, you know, she shoots 60, she wins the season opener, you know, and, and it's like, wow, they're going to go back and forth all year. The court is, you know, and then it just kind of became a one quarter show as, as the year went on. And, and so, um, so I think disappointing because I, I want a year in which Jessica, you know, has, has wins a major, you know, wins, you know, two or three times in the season and really feel like it was a big statement. And, um, and, and I, and so I hate to say disappointing when you win and you have a 60, but that feels like it was so long ago. Right. Yes, it does. It does. And, you know, she made the cut in all five majors, but not really a factor in any of them. I, 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 yeah, I, I think that's fair. I I'm right there with you. Uh, next name, say young Kim. Ah, disappointing. You know, I mean, we thought this was going to be the say young Jin young co battle going back and forth, carry over from the end of last year. Uh, obviously say young had a, had a phenomenal second half of 2020. And, uh, and again, she, she didn't win on the LPGA this year and really, um, you know, wasn't a factor, you know, much. And, and I just kind of, we didn't really talk about saying much, you know, I feel like she was kind of forgotten this year. She is probably my biggest disappointment. And, and just based on how she ended last year. And I, I thought all her momentum was, was trending, you know, upwards and um, yeah, to, to only have three top tens this year is, is really shocking. Uh, she's still ranked fourth in the Rolex you know, world rankings though. Um, but I think 
for sure a, a very disappointing uh, 2021 LPGA season. Uh, Ali Ewing is one I'm curious about. You know, I, I think we're, we're like, for instance, Jess Corda gets graded against her potential and what we think she can do. I, Ali Ewing was an interesting one for me because, uh, well, I'll, I'll just put it to you. Encouraging or disappointing? Uh, definitely encouraging, uh, for sure. And, and I think, um, you know, Ali is really coming into her own. I feel like she just has a lot of confidence right now. Um, that match play victory, you know, was grueling. And, and, and I, you know, I definitely think that she's becoming an American to watch. And, and so I wasn't really sure what kind of LPGA player she would be. So you're right. It's very different than, than all the phenoms that we've been talking about, you know, that in the, early on in the list, um, this is a, this is a four-year college player, very much a Stacy Lewis kind of mold. And you feel like her best years are ahead of her. So encouraging. Yeah. I, and I agree with you on the whole, I, I was disappointed with the Solheim, but I, I can't hold that against her for, you know, the, the, the full year. Um, the, the next one, Jennifer Cupcho, uh, and kind of along the same lines, I think, you know, awesome performance at, at the Solheim, kind of a, a coming out party, if you will, but didn't win. I, I know she's one that I, you and, and everybody else is just waiting to, to win somewhere. I, I'm curious how you would classify her, her season. Yeah, and she, she had some chances. She came close a few times this year. Um, but, uh, you know, the Solheim was interesting because she was like, she was the breakout and then she got crushed right in the end. That's and right. so kind of like you <laughs> pop the balloon on Sunday and singles and, and, uh, and Leona McGuire was, was the absolute star of the show. So, um, so in that regard, disappointing. I mean, I, I, I feel like we all thought Jennifer would have won by now. Um, that's not to say she still can't have a, a great career, but, um, but it, it feels like, um, you know, it feels like we're, we've been waiting, right? It's building, it's building, it's building, it's building. And then, okay. <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's like, it's time, you know, it, yeah. it's time for her to take that next big step. I a hundred percent agree. Uh, I, I thought this next one, Yalimi No is, is a little bit in that same category. I, I will say the, the one thing about Yalimi is it's, it's hard to kind of remind myself that she's only 20. Uh, I thought she had a right. great, performance at the Solheim. I thought she was underused, underutilized, if anything, but curious yeah. how you would classify her season. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the underutilized of the Solheim. And I, and I think, you know, it was a heartbreaker at Evian for her. And she, you know, she, she looked like I thought she was going to win that tournament. Um, I think that, I think Yalimi surprised everyone with how quickly, certainly, certainly surprised everyone with how quickly she went from a player with no status to Yalimi. No, you know, like yeah. from like, what are you doing? Like turning pro with no status in January. Like, I don't understand to, to, of course, why, of course, why would I ever question that? So, so, you know, I, I think um, I give her a little bit more leeway because um, because I think she, she surprised me. Right. And how quickly she came into her and in, into form as a pro. And so, um, uh, yeah, I think, I think it was an encouraging year. I think she gave herself some chances. I think she learned a lot at that Solheim cup and, and certainly, um, will be, I think a huge part of the Solheim and that American team for a long time. Amen to that. I, I think I've, 
totally right there with you. I, I think she's somebody, again, I, I look at that. I'm, I'm really excited to see her progression. I, you know, not everybody is on that hockey stick linear curve. And I, I thought she did some good things this year. And, and I think the Solheim will, will really bode well for her and, and super excited to, to kind of see her next year uh, in a couple years. The last one, uh, somebody near and dear to our heart and, you know, answer this however you want. I thought she was a fascinating person to put in this game though, because uh, she did not win this year. I think she only had one top 10. Uh, it wasn't a major. She did make the Solheim cup. Uh, that is Madeline Sackstrom. Uh, I'm curious to hear how, how you would classify her 2021. Uh, I, I'm not going to use either word. I'm going to say inspiring. I, I felt like, you know, Madeline sharing her story, um, the way she handled, you know, not only opening and bearing her soul for us, basically. Right. And, and, and the courage that she showed, I, I mean, I was, I was just blown away. And then, uh, obviously the Solheim cup was very controversial. Um, I felt like she handled that well. Um, you know, it was, um, it was dicey there. Right. I mean, it was, it was tough and, um, and there are still a lot of varying opinions on, on, on if the LPGA got that right or not. But, um, but I, I, you know, I think it was a, I'm, I'm, I don't know this, but I think it for sure, but I'm guessing it was a big year of growth for Madeline, um, in, in a number of ways. And, and, and certainly, um, I think the game is, I, I was just inspired. I think the tour is better having her in it and, and in a spotlight. Yeah. I, I, I think maybe the favorite part of my year on or off the course has just been getting to know her and uh, her boyfriend, Jack, as well. Um, Shane, her caddy, they, they are such awesome people. And so I, I, I am very biased, but I, I, I do think her play on the course, like especially her performance in the majors, um, of course, the runner up at the at the Open Championship. Uh, but before that, she was 15th at the KPMG. She was 20th at the Women's Open. I, I am just so hopeful that this is a step to kind of see her elevate into that top 30 in the world. Uh, hopefully, you know, maybe as soon as next year. I, I just, every time I watch her play golf, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's got so much talent. She's got the game to win um, on a somewhat consistent basis, I feel like. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that she's on that path, which I, I, I do think she is. Well, and how good was that putting her out first the next day after the chaos uh, and how well she handled that situation? You know, you felt like Madeline just wanted to go out and 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 take on the world. Right. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. So. So I, I, I love that mentality. She was not shying away from anything. It was like, let's go, let's, 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 let's get on with it, you know? And, um, and that's strength, you know, I think she has a lot of strength and, uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where, where she goes from here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great way to put it. I, I, the inspiring word is, is fantastic. I, I will, I, I will allow that in, in, our, <laughs> in our newly created game. Um, I, I would be remiss. I, and I know we're, we're, pushing past an hour here, but I did want to ask you about the ANA. I, I have not gotten a chance to speak to you since that news broke. Um, I, hopefully a lot of listeners know uh, this year, 2022 will be the last uh, ANA inspiration. Of course, you'll dine ashore. Yeah. It'll be one, one more year as the Chevron at Mission Hills. Yeah. 
Okay. And then it will move to Houston. And so can you just kind of talk through with, with a few weeks now to process where, where you fall out on this news, um, some of the ramifications for not only the event, but, but the tour at large. Yeah, I, you know, look, I, I am going to, I said on Twitter, I'm probably going to shed a tear, honestly, like uh, in the final round of, of the Chevron next year, because that venue, that place, you know, I've never even, you know, I'm obviously I'm not a player and it, it, it means a lot. Like there's just, it, it, it's, there's so much tradition there and it's, it's going to be, I think a fantastic party. I'm thrilled that, it's not like it's moving without one, without a chance to celebrate. Yeah. Right. And so, but the harsh reality is that we're mourning what it once was because it hasn't been that in, in, in several years now and, and way before COVID, you know, it just, it had lost a lot of its buzz. It, it, it didn't just didn't have that same feeling on property. Uh, you know, a, a, quite frankly, a lot of community support was gone. And, and so it was time, right? Uh, you know, ANA had, they've been through the ringer with COVID and, and it's a Japan's largest airline. So understandable. And so, you know, they were moving on and the LPGA, you know, a blue chip sponsor like Chevron doesn't come along often. And so for me, how many people have talked to me and said to me, so when is the Anna? When is that? When, 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 what is the Anna? You know, and I'm like, they don't even know it's the ANA, right? Yeah. So like Chevron has this ring to it. It, it. it, everybody in the world knows what Chevron is, you know? And so I feel like, um, you know, it's going to be tough to break away from all that great tradition, but we're looking at NBC. We're looking at network television. It wasn't possible when it was, and you know, why is it moving from dinosaur? Well, there was a lot of reasons because it, could they have kept it there? Well, it, the course, you know, had, had, there were some conflicts for moving events for, for what the, the tournament, the actual golf course at, at, at Mission Hills had going on for the club. So there was that, there was Coachella, there's the weather, there's the volunteer base moving, moving, you know, back to wherever they go for, for the summer. There just weren't a lot of options in terms of moving that event. Um, so that you could have network TV and getting it away from the Augusta National Women's Amateur and still being able to keep it at Dinosaur. So the Dinosaur Tournament course is at Mission Hills, just to kind of explain why we sometimes call it Dinosaur. Okay. <laughs> um, so the actual name of the tournament course that they play. Uh, so anyway, so that's why it's moving. Um, and and it will be difficult because I don't think that they're um, – you know, they're not going to going to go to a place with as much history, probably in the Houston area. I don't, I don't know. They haven't exactly nailed that down where they're going. I know there was a short list. I know, you know, some properties in the woodlands are in the running. Um, but, you know, it just uh, overall, the LPGA could not turn this opportunity down. They could not turn Chevron down. They had to make the move for the sake of progress. And I I'd said in my column, like, you know, it, what does tradition mean and worth if nobody's watching it, you know? Mm -hmm. So the fact that now it's moving to network, which all LPGA majors should be on network period, yes. you know? <laughs> yes. And online. I'm banging right. the drum. They, they need to have online streams as well. Um, do you know, will it, will it remain in the same part of the calendar that first weekend of April, kind of the week before no, the masters? 
it's going to move away from the Augusta National Women's okay. Championship. It okay, had good. to move in order to get on network TV. They had to move the date. Okay. And so, so that was the thing. Like the course and the, the the situation at Mission Hills wasn't viable for all these other dates. So um, that's a big reason why they had to move. So um, will it be? Do you think it'll like, still be the first? Oh, it'll be later in the year. So it might not be the first major. I, I see. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Um, well, that's interesting. I, w- I was going to ask, speaking of, do you know when the tour will release their full 2022 schedule? Usually they do it um, in years past. They've always done it during the, uh, the tour championship during, okay. during the CME. So um, there's, there's drafts out there floating around, uh, but a lot of like, you know, potentials like could be this week could be this week so i'm not i you know i, I it's a, there's still some stuff up in the air i do know f- from what i've seen founders is moving into the spring um okay. but i'm not sure if it's moving golf courses or not um that was one of the big questions i i got i hope it stays at mountain ridge I, that's such a good golf course and i i think a proper golf course for what the founders event is celebrating and and what it should be, right? It, it it seems like it should be an elevated, it's not a major, but it seems like it should be an elevated event on the LPGA. And I think mountain Ridge is a course befitting of, uh, of an elevated event. The players loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Of course, I'm so excited for the new event, which has been officially announced in Cincinnati Uh, Procter and Gamble is, is one of the main sponsors. That'll be at Kenwood country club. So excited to get to that one. Uh, and also I have the, a, I've never been to the, a or I guess now the Chevron, I've never been to, um, the dinosaur course. I've never been to that major. And so the one last year it's, it's in, in ink on my calendar. I, I hope to get out there at least for the, the last iteration out in Palm awesome. Springs. So yeah, we're hopefully, hopefully a few of us at least will, uh, will make the trek out there. Um, yeah, sorry, go Hopefully ahead. Hopefully there's a big Hall of Fame celebration that week, too, yeah. that you, you could uh, take part of. It'll be the that. culmination of our fight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. Um, the last thing I had was was uh, Rose Zhang and the Stanford women's golf team. I mean, how good are they? And how good is she? That's, it's incredible. I mean, you know, Rose Zhang is uh, undefeated so far in college golf uh, for undefeated fall season. She won't be playing in the last event because she's representing the U.S. in the, the spirit. But, um, you know, I think it's it's everything we could have hoped for. Right. And uh, and, you know, the, the Stanford coach was was saying that, you know, for some people, it feels a little bit like when Tiger was at Stanford in terms of the local community, knowing they have this phenom and wanting to come watch her play. Cause of course, Stanford hosted one of the, the you know, one of their events recently. And so, so when I, when I look at, um, at Rose, you know, the fact that she is loving college, she's, you know, a ham in the locker room. She's, you know, a great team player. I feel like, you know, it, it's such a great thing for Rose, the human being. Could Rose Zhang go to Q Series and win Q Series and be Rookie of the Year next year? Of course. But, you know, this is what Rose wanted to do. And I'm so glad she's getting to do what she wanted to do. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, 
last thing getting you out of here how's how's molly doing your 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 new dog oh, i love God. when you post about her on on twitter and and whatnot how's how are uh, things going molly just started level two of obedience school so oh, okay. she is uh, <laughs> she's hilarious she's he's always like the youngest in the class and he's so funny uh, but she's doing great. She's we we look at each other and we're like, do you, I say, do you remember life before Molly? Like it's hard to, you know. I mean, she's she's uh she's bring so much joy, and it's it's so fun to come home when you've been on the road for a while and and have your face licked off by Molly. It's just so so. It just changes your mood and silly. <laughs> and uh, for the folks that don't know, what what uh, what type of dog is she? Oh, Molly's a golden retriever. Oh, and nice. she, she has never met a stranger or someone she didn't want to 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 love on. So uh, it's uh, it's been so much fun. We're already talking about um, getting another one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. Uh, the more pictures you want to post, the I, I certainly uh, would love to see them. Bethan, this is such a treat. Um, I just, I love talking to you. I, I can't thank you enough for taking time and and giving me your your wisdom and knowledge uh, all around the women's game. Uh, I just have a smile on my face every time we do this. So I, I want to encourage folks to follow you on Twitter. Your columns are awesome. Uh, at Golf Week Nichols, check out Golf Week uh, where, where you post your, your written stories. Um, yeah, I, I, I just can't thank you enough. Thank you for making this uh, another LPGA season that much better for, for me and, and the listeners. Uh, well, thank you so much. It was it was wonderful to hang out with the whole crew at the Solheim Cup. I I enjoyed it thoroughly, especially on the first tee. So I, I love your enthusiasm for the women's game, and thanks for having me on. And and my husband's actually heading to the airport here pretty soon because he's going to go watch Michigan State play Michigan this oh, weekend. Oh yes, so, yes. Uh, it's a big weekend for him. <laughs> I know. Well, hopefully you guys. I I know you have those Michigan ties. Hopefully you're enjoying uh, our tourist sauce season through yes. Michigan amazing amazing what great golf in michigan it's, it is uh, i feel like not enough people know about it <laughs> i know the secret the secret might get out I, I think some of the michigan folks are like no don't tell everybody you know this is our <laughs> this is our secret up here uh, uh, y'all are spilling the beans <laughs> yeah exactly well i'll let you go bethann thank you so much um i unfortunately i, I don't think i'm going to be at the tour championship so uh hopefully early 2022 i'll see you on the road at an event and um i look forward to it Sounds great. Thank you so much, Randy.